Hello and welcome once again to episode 104 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So the past few weeks have actually been really, really busy. Uh, so busy that we completely forgot to release an episode that we actually recorded. We just never, never released it. Um, and then we use that opportunity because we're we're hard thinkers over here at Code Completion <laughs> uh, to skip recording last week because I was like completely unavailable because I was traveling for the first time in two years, which was an experience. Um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Y- this room was like way messier five minutes ago as I came back into it because this was my uh, semi-quarantine room after coming back from traveling so I don't get my wife sick with potential uh, stuff. Um, but yeah, thankfully I was not sick. Uh, so yay for traveling safely. That's good. That's good. That's always, yeah. When I traveled uh, to Seattle for work too, it was like, you know, mask up. I was, we were like pretty much the only people with masks on the plane and now i'm like thinking this is just like gross recirculated air i'll probably wear a mask always when i fly now kind of i don't know things have changed in the last few years definitely perspective wise Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm I'm sad to say that i am still seeing like anti-mask sentiment which oh yeah is like unnecessary not from anyone that i work with or anything like that thankfully uh, but from people I've known for a very long time, they're like, oh, like you can't be afraid of dying. And I'm like, I'm not afraid of dying because I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> but it's, uh, that's a, a very interesting argument to need to get into with people you like knew your entire life. And yeah, uh, it's, it's a little sad that it's come to this, but uh, hopefully, hopefully as time goes on, people will just be a little bit more accepting of just wearing masks for various reasons, whether people are sick or whether you don't want to be sick. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, agreed. I think it'll happen eventually. Yeah. Um, talking about changes that are happening, uh, the HIG is actually getting a change log, which is amazing because the HIG has seen uh, some pretty uh, immense changes over the years. Like it's been completely revamped several, several times. Um, so this is quite surprising that not only is it getting a change log, which is like something that old Apple article developer articles used to get, like at the very bottom, they would say what they changed. This is a searchable change log, so you can actually like find the change that you're looking for and to to see like exactly what how that might impact you. So I think this is really really cool. Yeah, I just took a look at it. Um, it's nice. It's it's actually going back all the way till um, June of of this year. So I don't know how long it's actually been here. If they made a backlog or something, but. Um, you know, some of these things are like um, designing an effective chart, right? And it's uh, kicking you over to a dub dub video or uh, their actual. Whoops, let me go back. Um, uh, I saw one that was like adding some information for the Apple Watch Ultra for like app icons. So. Um, it looks like it's giving you individual kind of articles or videos, but also saying like specifically in app icons we changed this thing or added this thing so kind of like a i would kind of say a fairly complex or fairly detailed um sort of change log of what happened whether it's like it says completely new page or adding things to an existing page so that's kind of nice um 
and the filters you can search but filters are like guidance videos articles and uh, resources as well so uh, resources would be like design kits articles would be uh looks like all that they have right now are called behind the design um, and it's going into app specific apps which i haven't ever looked at which is kind of cool but um yeah i mean i guess for me this is nice and i thought it was worth talking about because the hig is sort of like this impenetrable thing that is like so large that it can be perhaps hard to um unless you're you know what you're looking for it can be kind of hard to know like where do i even look for for new apple watch ultra information or whatever it is that you're kind of specific to looking for and you just kind of have to go through the sidebar and 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 figure out where's this stuff exists so this can be i i mean i'm sure it'll be nice now but especially as this change log gets bigger and bigger it will be even more and more useful so that's exciting yeah, I'm, I think the biggest, my biggest qualm with the HIG is that Apple does not follow it in a lot of situations, um, which is problematic because if you try to argue, hey, we need to do it this way because of the HIG, then all of a sudden that is not like something that you can kind of use because they'll point to, hey, Apple Music does it differently and Apple Notes does it differently. And it's like, then what's the point of having the HIG if you can't use it as like an argument um, basis? Yeah, for sure. That that's definitely frustrating. And I know that um well, even like within the code completionist, there's like um I don't know, sentiment about that kind of stuff, like with Fernando and, and his kind of hating on Mac OS and he he brings <laughs> up some good points about like <clears throat> things that have changed and um are inconsistent, I suppose, and perhaps not best for the user. And like, I think he makes a good argument. Maybe not. <clears throat> I, you know, I don't know everything about both his sentiment and, and you know what is best for the user, but kind of brings up good points about you know the way that things used to be uh, like with the status bar or title, whatever window, the window top of the window, and talking about that kind of stuff. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a whole thing with making sure that Apple actually follows their own guidelines and stuff. But that's maybe it's just guidelines for the plugs. I don't know. <laughs> well, the the good news I think is that the Hig is uh, improving and evolving in a way that uh, can represent the information for all the platforms. Like something new that I've noticed recently. Um, is on the right side of the HIG pages, you'll go ahead and see like which platforms this is specific for and what mm -hmm. exceptions there are for this platform. So I think it's, go it's good that Apple is going in this direction and the TIG is certainly in a good starting point. Uh, it just needs like some internal buy-in uh, for all of those lessons to actually be like uh, used in practice, right? Um, and I think that will probably be the point where the, the HIG is, is serving its purpose as well as it can be because if people inside Apple are not following it, then there's there's a major miscommunication there because the HIG is not there as like, oh, there's no reason why we're doing this. Like one, my favorite example uh, is the three dots after a menu item. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it's not arbitrary. There's a reason why those three dots are there, and that's because by clicking on that menu item, nothing is going to happen. You're going to have a dialogue that's going to come up to further confirm um, or ask for like uh, something. Uh, so that way you don't end up in a situation where you uh, were just clicking around and then you unexpectedly perform certain actions. And right. iOS has kind of always been of this mantra, like, don't do anything and let the user kind of tap around and discover things because there's no discovery otherwise. There's no tooltips. There's no uh, help section. There's no nothing. Um, so it always has had to be kind of like this. But as uh, iPhone apps have become more in-depth, uh, this kind of thinking has had to change, right? You have to now figure out, oh, we need to stow away more options. What kind of button is that going to be behind? Is it going to be behind a, a hamburger? Is it going to be behind a three dot? Is it going to be behind some other iconography? Um, is it going to be behind some text? Uh, all of those different options are now in use, and there's a whole bunch of different kinds of avenues that you can explore. So... Um, like those three dots, those tell the user, "Hey, uh, you're going to be totally safe by tapping on <laughs> yeah. uh, this this uh, button or this menu item, uh, and nothing bad is going to happen yet. Uh, you'll you'll be given further explanations down the line, uh, so you can definitely go through um, and and tap on this to kind of explore what's what's going further. And if something doesn't have a three dot in a menu item or something." Uh, then that indicates, hey, this should be totally obvious to you what it's going to do. Um, and if it's not, that's a failure on the developer to kind of not use like best practices or mm-hmm. um, make use of uh, like anti-patterns that are not like jiving with the user um, or may be too specific to a certain like realm of software uh, that some users might understand and others just won't. Uh, so there's a lot that that three dots like adds and Mm -hmm. the hig just has like uh, a sentence on it when it used to have a paragraph. Um, And I think it needs to get back to that paragraph. So that way it's like really convincing why we're doing it this way. And it's not just like, Hey, we're following this practice because computers have computer users are used to it. Um, I, I would definitely like to see those motivations kind of be brought back. Especially since, like, it's not like the Higgs are lost, right? The Higgs mm-hmm. of the past, uh, those those are still available, just you have to hunt for them. Um, and they're much, much longer, which is totally okay. Like, we have big, fast computers that can search for stuff. Um, as long as you organize and index that information, then having more is not worse. Um, so, yeah. Uh, A plus for having searchable, like, change logs to the Hig. Now we just need more changes to, uh, like... Chonk it up a bit, um, and then as it gets chonked up, we need Apple to listen to its own advice, and I think think then we'll be in a good place to make arguments for why we should like follow one set of patterns over another. Yeah, that reminds me. I had that exact conversation about the the three dots um, at work when I was trying to we were trying to kind of make the the Mac app a little bit better, and it came down to adding keyboard shortcuts. Um, Let's see. Yeah, and and like many bar items, um, they were kind of in tandem. Um, and I didn't know that rule. And Andrew Madsen, being like the longtime veteran of like Mac development that he is, he immediately caught that, you know, the strings were wrong. They didn't have the three dots when they needed to. Um, 
and I hadn't heard of that. And so I think there's like the, a lot of this, um, I don't know what you call it. Like <laughs> I want to call it like acquired knowledge, but that sounds dumb. Um, but just this like domain knowledge that you, you know, he's been in the space for so long, well over a decade, way over a decade at this point, probably, um, that he's, you know, he knows these patterns just like the back of his hand and it's just second nature to him where, um, I didn't even think to look in the Hig probably in that point. But my point is like, I think we've maybe talked about this before where, um, it seems like a lot of like the kind of veterans of like, like Mac development are kind of have left or maybe leaving Apple or just, you know, retiring or whatever. And so like a lot of that knowledge is, is getting perhaps lost to time if it's not already, um, in a blog post or something. Uh, it's so almost be, like it wasn't properly documented. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> having, making the time to actually document that stuff, uh, you know, in in a place where it's all centrally located and everyone knows about it, like the Hague would be nice. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to sort of uh, make that happen, but it would be nice. So, And maybe that's a good reason for the Hague not to be big, right? Like I was just arguing that like it needs to be bigger. Um, we need to have more explanation, but maybe that information should be at a level deeper that you have to like click into to really know. Yeah. And the Hague yeah. should be its current size. So that way, like once a year, at least every developer can kind of dedicate like an hour of their time to read through the Hig. Um, and that's something I used to do with like every new OS version. Um, and I've stopped recently, unfortunately. Um, I don't know, probably because I was busy. Uh, yeah. But if it would be good for developers to like, especially when they're getting into the platform to definitely read through and categorize that information within their own mind. So that way they can they can remember it when it counts uh, because like, sure, reading through it is good. It's not the most like juicy uh, fictionist drama that you can uh, read through <laughs> and like really retain it all. Uh, there's really none of that. It's it's kind of kind of like if this happens, do this. If this if you want this, then do this. Um, right. So it's, it's kind of bland in that regard. Um, but if they can accentuate that with diagrams and images that can help you remember like that piece of information when it counts, I think that would do that would fulfill its purpose more. Um, and then the more people that do go through it, the more people that can like at least remember where others forget. Um, and I guess especially boring at Apple, like, come on, no excuse there. But um, I'm, I'm sure like everyone is under immense stresses for like shipping things on time and stuff like that. But yeah, trillion dollar company no excuses (laughs) yeah i i think that's a a good idea to like have two layers like human interface guidelines and like human interface documentation or something i don't know um yeah it'd be cool i mean they can make use of disclosure triangles uh and open up (laughs) what are those well if if you really wonder what those are you can go ahead and ask apple uh because ask apple is a brand new thing that apple's trying out this year um and it feels very much like an evolution of the tech notes uh that apple has had uh in not tech notes i'm i'm saying this wrong tech talks uh, right no. no uh they had some uh tech meetup things that were not wwc oh no what i'm i'm forgetting the word 
but they had something uh, that was like WWDC, except not WWDC because uh, it was like a traveling troop of tech questionnaire uh, type oh. things. Uh, what's it called? Oh, this is going to bug me for the rest of the show. Uh, but uh, ask Apple. Uh, Spencer, what is it? While I quickly look up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um it's kind of two things it looks like. So it's a way it, so I'll just kind of read their headline. It says, uh join us for Ask Apple, a new series for developers to connect directly with Apple experts. Ask about integrating the latest soft or sorry, the latest technologies, designing intuitive UIs, testing on beta software, and so much more. So they kind of have two things here. They have QA's and office hours. Um the QA's are uh sort of I thought an interesting way of doing this, and I think they've done this something similar in the past where um, it's just sort of asking questions about different topics through Slack. So uh, it's not like you need to, you know, uh, jump on a Zoom call and be kind of live, have a microphone and, you know, camera to ask your questions or, or WebEx or whatever they use. Um, it's just over Slack. And I'd assume they have a bunch of different channels for all of these different topics. They've got like, uh, 12 or so topics, which is pretty cool. Um, so, you know, if you want to ask a question about Swift UI, I'd assume that they have people working on the Swift UI team at Apple, uh, just in that Slack group. And you can just ask questions and, uh, probably get answers both from them and, and other people that are, um, in that Slack group too, which would be cool. Um, just again, kind of build this, you know, microcosm of a community, uh, around whatever topic you're looking for. Um, and then office hours uh, is where you can create a one-on-one -on -one, uh, consultation about whatever. So let's see. Uh, actually, I don't know much about office hours. Dimitri, can you enlighten us? Yeah, so I, I used the power of, uh, of rapidly researching something to find out that it was called Tech Talks. Uh, I knew it had tech in it, and there's a lot of words, <laughs> duopoly words with tech in them. Yes. Uh, tech debt, tech uh, tech notes. Uh, tech notes are those articles that Apple publishes that like focus on a specific thing. Um, but tech talks are what Apple had uh, pre pre pandemic times. Apple would actually visit different cities, so that way you can have like a little mini WWDC and talk with Apple engineers that way. Um, and post pandemic, uh, they have been uh, kind of like mini WWDCs, uh, where you would go ahead and have an opportunity to um, both have like one on ones, uh, where you can get like basically these office hours. You can ask a question in advance, register for a time, and then they would go ahead and like meet up with you after having like looked into your issue a little tiny bit, right. um, and then you can speak directly with the engineer or two. Um, who can go ahead and like answer your questions and get you unstuck uh, so that way you can make progress on on your app. So uh, those have been really, really cool to have. And it's really nice to have them not at WWDC time because at WWDC time, you're so busy uh, yeah. ingesting all this new information that you can't ask questions about it yet. You didn't really have an opportunity to try it out, to play with it. Um, so it's great that a few months later... Um, that we have this opportunity to kind of go in and and now ask questions more properly. Nice. That's super cool. Yeah, I remember it, I, it, as you were speaking, it sounded like I, I just had flashbacks to when I went to Dub Dub um, 
and standing in a line waiting for, uh, well, Paul Salt was the one that was actually asking a question, but I was with him. Um, we were just standing in line waiting to, you know, get help from someone at Apple. And it took a long time. <laughs> there were just lines snaking out of, out of the room that they were in. Uh, and you know, you just kind of had to sit there. So it's kind of cool that you can just, it, I'm sure you probably just get a time and, you know, ask your question, get a time and you don't have to worry about it. So, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps a, a more efficient way of doing that. That's cool. Yeah. And it's way more open to more than just the 5,000 people who happen to get tickets to Dub Exactly. Dub, yeah. Um, which I think is a huge improvement over like the in-personness of WWDC. Oh, yeah. I think like this, this past year is probably an excellent mix where like you have people come in for a day or two to like watch the, the keynote and be excited all together. Um, but then, uh, from that point forward, you can go ahead and like digest it at your own pace and not necessarily be like forced to to kind of keep up with everything uh, then and now, uh, which was quite a burden for a lot of people. Like a lot of people would not watch sessions until like three, four weeks afterwards, yeah. slowly digesting the ones that they're interested in. Yeah. Um, so being able to ask questions at a much later date, like October, I think is perfect. Um, so these start October 17th through the 21st. So if you have not signed up for them, um, go sign up for them. Uh, this, this is, uh, perhaps a late, a late message, uh, for most, yes. but, um, yeah, go do that. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be like, if, even if you have a simple question, like there are two kinds of these, um, Q and A's, uh, there are some that like, they will go ahead and present something. And then you can ask questions at the end of it through the WebEx, like, chat thing. Um, so that that has always, like, worked pretty well as well. Because then if you don't ask a question, someone else might. And then you might yeah. be inspired by their question to, like, look into something more. Um, so that the group kind of setting of asking questions, I think, is very helpful. Because it kind of inspires everyone to, to learn way more than they thought they would uh, through that process. Um, and then... The one-on-ones are really useful if you have, like, some code that you don't necessarily want to share or some questions that you don't want everyone to kind of listen in on because they're maybe very specific to what you're doing in your app. Uh, then I guess you have to share it with Apple. But uh, at that point, Apple can help you more directly, um, kind of like using a developer technical support ticket, yeah. uh, which you get two of as a paid developer account, which costs $99 for those who don't know. Um, and... Uh, you can buy more if you run out of them. Uh, and Apple can directly help you. Basically say, hey, I have a problem with X. Here's my code. Um, and then they'll get back to you a few days later and say, like, okay, we've looked into it with these engineers. Um, you might want to try this, this, and this. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. If, have you ever used those, Spencer? I haven't personally. I know that at work we have before. Or, I don't know. Our relationship with Apple is like, we have people at Apple that we talk to. So I don't know when we actually use like the technical support and when we just ask someone, I don't know. I think we're in a semi unique. Yeah, you guys position. are lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't personally, but as I was looking at these office hours, that's what I was thinking. I was like, Oh, it sounds exactly like that. Except of course, these office hours are only uh, for this week. So, but it's free. Yeah. So that'd be cool if you can, you know, mm -hmm. uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, so I have used the D DTSs oh, awesome. uh, before, um, and they have not, <laughs> they've unfortunately not been useful. Um, it's basically ended up in, please file a bug, because there's no workaround. Uh, there's no way around this at all. 
uh, which was unfortunate, but like expected at that point, right? Like you you reach your wit's end, and then you try asking, and then it's like, no, this is not possible, and you're like, oh, yeah. Um, so that that is one potential outcome. But uh, if you if you have not necessarily explored everything uh, in advance, then those can be very very helpful. Um, so I do encourage anyone to at least give them a try. Don't let them just sit there and expire at the end of the year because you get two fresh ones every year. Uh, so definitely, definitely go ahead and use them up, um, because they're a resource that is available to you. Um, especially if you don't know, like, Hey, I might need to use this in the future. Use it now <laughs> because like, if you really need to use it, you can always buy more and they're not right. super, super expensive. It's like 50 bucks for uh one-on-one time with an Apple engineer, which is that's uh, pretty useful pretty if this is your business. Yeah. Um, and if you don't need to use them, then you don't need to use them. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. And finally, uh, we have a new new reports coming in that Apple is finally taking in-app purchase scams more seriously uh, with iOS 16.1 betas. Uh, and they're drastically improving what the iOS 16.1 betas. Did I say yes. that? I don't know. Um, but they're drastically improving what the in-app purchase sheet looks like and how it clarifies how much you're going to be spending um and and big bold characters so that way it's no longer a surprise uh that you may be scammed by paying like 20 bucks a week um for no particular reason because yeah and that purchases are awesome yeah i think uh, the it, we'll we'll post a link to the tweet and it has sort of this timeline from iOS 14 uh to 14.5 to 16.1 um, with those changes. And I honestly, I kind of like the look of the iOS 14 one. Like it, it is kind of slim and, and trimmed down, but I definitely agree that it's so easy to just like gloss over. Like the, the price text is almost the same size as everything else, uh, of the, the same font size as, as everything else, like the policy and talking about when it will renew and everything. And so it's just easy to gloss over that and just totally forget it. So this one looks a little bit more like, um, I guess the closest thing I can compare it to is like the iOS software update sheet that pulls up. I don't know. It's, it's a little inset, but the biggest thing is that it at the pretty much right at the top and the largest text bolded and everything is how much it will cost and if there's a free trial. So that's pretty great. Uh, so that, you know, under that is talking about like when it will renew and everything. And that's kind of like the text that you don't need to know it's a small near text. as much about. Yeah. It's <laughs> By <like> definition. <laughs> it's just details, right? But it's like you will pay $99 per week or whatever. Uh, so hopefully it's, yeah, man, that, that stuff. That's so shady, dude. I hate that stuff. That it That kind of stuff actually goes through as if there's a reason to pay I can't fathom to think what would be a legitimate, like, $99 a week, you know, in-app purchase type of thing. And It's it's when you're getting support tickets twice a week from Apple. Okay, yeah, but that's from Apple. (laughs) I don't know. It's shady. Half of me, like, the cynical part of me just thinks, like, Apple isn't doing a ton about it because they still get 30% of that. And they're like, yeah, whatever, we'll... We'll overlook it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, there, I think a lot of people 
were kind of hoping, oh, market pressures would prevent these situations. Um, because, like, why would you pay $99 a week? Durr, that's, like, yeah. obviously a waste of money. Um, especially when apps that are a dollar forever, that's, like, way too much. Um, like, forget about $5 forever. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's like, a, that's a, that's yeah. a highway robbery there. Um, and we end up with a situation where a bunch, a bunch of scam apps... Uh, are basically milking people out of, I, I'm not going to say their life savings, but like a portion of that um, with these like weekly subscription costs. And I yeah. can't imagine this is a zero cost for Apple once those customers like realize what they've done yeah. um, and then go complaints of support. Like Apple should not ever fight those requests and they probably do refund them immediately. Um, but like that can't be a zero cost for them. Um, and sure, they might take it out of the developer's like earnings, but if the developer hasn't earned, they can't take out any. Um, so they're kind of forced to like That's pay true. it out themselves. Um, and that is not ideal. Uh, so I think having more clarity here, um, and they're not going all the way that they can. Like it's still like telling the user, hey, this is gonna be twenty dollars per week, um, and that's gonna be nice and big. But they're not really saying, hey, twenty dollars a week is $20 times 52, which is a stupid amount of money per year. Um, and you, that's the number you should really be paying attention to. Yeah. Um, that they're not really like going deeper in. And it's kind of like you said, Spencer, the, the cynical take here is that Apple like is going to do the bare minimum here to like make it as obvious as possible to reduce those support tickets. Uh, but they're not really going to hide the fact that $20 a week is a horrible thing. Um, they're just going to make it obvious that it is $20 a week. Um, yeah. because yeah, that can, that can really amount to a lot of, a lot of money. Uh, and people just may not ever realize that they're going to be paying a thousand dollars a year for something. Right. Yeah. I think that's an interesting, that would be an interesting evolution to have it basically do like a cost breakdown and be like, Hey, over a year you are going to pay that much and have it like list that out in that, uh, sheet before you pay just like just so you know you'll be spending twelve thousand dollars in a year because this thing's charging you so much every week or whatever uh mm -hmm. be interesting. and the ironic thing is is that like well-meaning apps they give you the that yearly breakdown because what it pushes you towards is instead of paying monthly you now pay for the year because the year is cheaper to pay for up front than it is to pay 12 monthly installments um, because for for a company, it's more useful to have that guarantee that you're going to be there for a year. Yeah. Um, so, like that is not not a bad thing to list out that price, and that's something that uh, it's kind of disappointing that like Apple is not kind of forcing because they do have that that heavy handed fist with the App Store uh, saying that everything can has to go through app review, everything has to be vetted by us uh, to and be yet. of quality. Uh, yeah. and, and all sorts of, uh, stuff that, uh, I am like currently ramming my head against, um, in, inside projects, uh, and in real life projects. So, uh, yeah, the app store is like sometimes a great frustration to get through when you're well-meaning and it seems like it's stupidly easy for, uh, not well-meaning individuals to get their foot in and kind of cause some chaos. Um, and Apple is, as you said, completely okay with this because they get 30% of that. And out of nowhere, that has become a significant portion of their income. So why would they want to get rid of it? Right. And yeah, 
I, I wonder if it like, I don't even know if there's investor pressure to continue doing this. Like, what is the purpose for Apple to continue amassing this wealth when they're like not really using it? It's um, just stuffed away in a freaking vault. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it personally. Um, but uh, I guess good on them. They're doing the business thing. Um, it's just, it's the business thing has not been what Apple has been doing up until uh, quite recently. Um, and everyone seemed a lot happier supporting them when that was the case. And this is souring a lot of people's uh, opinions about Apple. And I don't think this is going to be easy to regain once a significant portion of these people have just given up, right? Yep, agreed. I'm kind like of... It's just some... Go for oh, it. Sorry. I was just going to say... Uh, it... I don't know if this is like directly related, but like it's been a hot minute since I've heard anything about like the Apple Epic, whatever App Store stuff. And it's, you know, not directly related, but just seems like it's kind of died and, you know, nothing's going to change. Not that I'm saying, you know, another App Store would be the best thing, but just, yeah, this stuff with this stuff getting past review and then. I know that you and I think Fernando or, or Ben were having some trouble with the App Store. Uh, just getting your own app in when it's like, it's a good app. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, I don't know. It's frustrating, that kind of stuff. Just doesn't seem quite as um, even or it seems almost like a luck of the draw, especially with like App Store review, just like whether it gets in or not. So it's a bummer. Mm-hmm. And, and to be clear, like there are some legitimate reasons why your app might be rejected like you didn't do due diligence going through the requirements and stuff like that and then there are like the the gut punch ones where it's like the reviewer says hey your app is non-functional and they literally send you a screenshot of a screen with an error message that says hey you're not connected to the internet um please try again and it's like at that point there's not much you can do other than like calmly explain to them hey you were tired please please read what is on the screen. This is not even my error. This is through Apple's components. Uh, like, I have very little control over this. Um, yeah. So, like, Send please. them an <laughs> Apple support article of, like, how to use Control Center to turn on Wi-Fi or something. Yeah, so, like, I, I totally get that some some uh, facets of app review are, like, legitimate, but then other aspects just feel like gut punches. And yeah. I don't know if that's because app review got way faster. Like it's just a, a side effect of that. Um, it used to take two weeks, um, and I remember that dearly. Like it's still in my head. Oh, this <laughs> I'm going to submit now because it's going to be three weeks until I hear back from Apple. Right. Um, and that is like an industry norm. It's not even that crazy to think of. Like when you're submitting uh, something to Nintendo, it's like, hey, it's going to take a while. Um, that's just part of the process, and yeah. that's. It's just been opened up to more people and more regular people that are not used to that industry um, that it has become such a like cutthroat game of it needs to go fast, fast, fast. And therefore, fast, fast, fast means it's going to be sloppy. And yeah, I don't know what the what the long term benefit of like still having something like this is for every app. And I've, I've mentioned many times before it might be time to not have app review for everything. Like, have app review for the best of the best. Like, if you want to be cataloged in the App Store for people to be easily find, go through app review. If you don't care and you want to do it all yourself, 
just skip app review and like ship your app yourself, right? Get the basic uh, yeah. signatures that Apple can reject on you if you go and try to like uh, scam people out of their livelihoods. Uh, yeah. But that is like completely separate from like, oh, your app is not working uh, as designed. Like, yeah, maybe I can put extra checks to like have it check the internet connection before you go to the page that needs to load. Um, and that that's like, sure, that can be on me. And if Apple really wants to insist on that, uh, to get into the hyper premium version of the app store that's uh-huh, like yeah. there's only a few products there and you're like competing with the best of the best at that point then that's that's like one thing but if it's uh being there with all the other crud that is like scamming people for weeks um then like it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel worth it yep agreed so many uh, yeah i don't know yeah it's like whenever you're you're beholden to the shareholders and like your the company's goal is just to make money. It's like it's super frustrating when it seems like there are like it seems like there are so many good ideas on like how to fix this. Like from you, from Fernando, well, yeah, from Fernando, from everyone on Twitter and everything. It's just like it doesn't seem like it'll ever happen. Like I don't know, I'm a little jaded and I just think like they'll never they'll never change what they do especially with the app store which sucks because it's like it's like i love working on this platform and the you know the hardware and everything is so great and just what you're able to do but then it just it's kind of like a gut punch when you have to deal with this kind of stuff and it's like is this is this the same company i mean they're making it definitely easier for someone else to come in right um it's not like it's going to happen overnight no one's going to be able to come in with the hardware and software proficiency that apple currently has but in 10 years of apple continuing to do this heck someone can have 10 years to like get the right people together to to like overthrow this and uh that that is going to be apple's fault if it ever happens right um because enough people are going to be fed up with this eventually that they are going to have great ideas and they're going to take them with themselves and perhaps those are people that left apple Perhaps those are people that uh, have worked with Apple for years and are disgruntled by this. Um, so it's it's always an opportunity to like think about why Apple got the popularity and got the success that it currently has. And that's because they weren't doing things like this, um, or at least not as overtly. Yes, they were um, always stubborn. Uh, that has never really changed. But now they're stubborn with a giant hammer of uh oh look at all the services revenue um and that's the part that's not really melding very well um at least in my eyes Mm -hmm. this week's episode of code completion is brought to you by hungry hungry that's hungry with three u's is the iphone ipad and apple watch app you turn to when you really want to eat but are blinded by the multitude of choices available to you and your insatiable hunger hungry isn't here to help you discover new restaurants or flavors no it has a much more humble purpose You tell it all about your favorite restaurants, and it will deploy its cryptographically advanced random number generator, invoked by shaking your phone in frustration, to make the decision of what to eat for you. Stuck at home in quarantine and sick of ordering pizza? Use Hungry. Did Hungry just suggest pizza again? Don't fret. As options for another cuisine, a cheaper option, something closer, or simply another option are just a button away. Hungry also comes with a collection of fun animated iMessage stickers so you can share your hunger with others. Thanks again to Hungry for sponsoring our show. Search for Hungry, that's H-U-U-U-N-G-R-Y, on the App Store today to give it a try. 
So now it's time for our code completion tip. Uh, and this week I have a fun one because I was submitting stuff to Apple and getting rejected for it. Uh, but before I was getting rejected for it, I was reminded yet again that Apple has a great way to skip that prompt that asks if your app is export compliant. Um, so to give a little bit of background, uh, export compliance is a uh, remnant of wartime efforts to prevent uh, like foreign uh entities from uh gaining too much power and being able to communicate securely uh i think the cat is basically out of the bag at this point uh in terms of like what encryption standards are available worldwide uh, but you still cannot share like really really secure encryption standards basically long keys um with other countries like it's just illegal um at least if you live in the united states you live elsewhere i'm sure you have different laws for that uh but in the united states they don't want you to share that kind of uh power through software that's vended through the united states and if you do want to share that power you need to go and uh basically tell the government hey i am shipping software that has really really secure stuff Mm -hmm. um basically keep tabs on me please um so that way i don't commit treason uh, i guess (laughs) uh so that's what expert compliance is all about it's it's really weird um and Apple is like, uh, I guess, making sure that developers don't commit fault out of negligence and not knowing what the hell that is. Um, because like, who would, uh, other than, I guess, if you're Apple and need, and like the government came knocking and said, Hey, you need to do your export compliance. <laughs> um, so long story short, export compliance, uh, is something that you need to do if you have, uh, some, some, uh, some encryption in your app. And this basically means any encryption, uh, including HTTPS which is fun. Uh, so usually you need to go ahead and tell the government, hey, I'm doing nothing weird. I'm just using the plain, simple stuff. Um, like just letting you know, uh, you submit a form and then you send them an email once a year telling them, hey, still doing nothing weird. Here's here's what I'm doing. Um, and, and that's how you have export compliance. They will send you a sheet the first time they get here from you. Uh, and you send that sheet to Apple and they will say, hey, okay, we've received your your certification uh for this uh and you can go ahead and like type this number in uh from this point forward and you like you don't need to to keep like giving us a new sheet you just tell us like it's the same sheet um and they ask this via questionnaire that says hey do you use non-exempt encryption and at this point you say yes or no kind of thing um and or do you use encryption you say yes or no you have to say yes if you have hps traffic fun fact uh, even though most people don't do that. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Well, it's your server, so you're using encryption. If you don't use a connection to your server, if you use a connection to Apple server, then it's Apple using the encryption. Uh, so that's a, that's a fun a fun thing to, to think about. Um, and yeah, uh, so you have to say yes or no to that. And then finally, uh, you go a step further, and if you answered yes, they ask you, do you use exempt or non-exempt uh, encryption? Uh, and if you use non-exempt encryption, then you don't have to do anything extra. Um, basically if you're communicating with Apple or you're only using the stuff that Apple's providing, uh, then you are using, uh, exempt encryption. If you're using Mm -hmm. non-exempt encryption, basically you're doing it yourself. You're communicating to your server. You need to tell the government, Hey, my server's not using the state of the art of, uh, encryption here. It's just going to take 20 years for someone to crack. Not a, not a huge a uh, big deal kind of thing, yeah. uh, then you kind of tell them that. Um, and you have to do this with every app submission, which gets tiring. 
Uh, so you can go ahead and add a key, and I think they actually tell this to you in that dialogue if you like slow down and read it, um, that you can add a key called ITS app uses non-exempt encryption uh, to your info.plist. And from that point forward, the App Store Connect screen is not going to ask you every time, hey, do you use non-exempt encryption? Um, and you can get away with using the same answer that you put in. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not saying yes or no, uh, or yeah, it works for both the yes or no scenarios. Um, and you basically can supply a secondary key with the number that Apple gave you from the accreditation, nice. accreditation, uh, whatever that word is. Um, and you can skip those prompts uh, by supplying this. Um, so... Yeah, if you've ever wondered what on earth the encryption thing was about, that's what it's about. Um, it's kind of not super necessary in today's day and age where like all information is available to everyone. Um, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I guess Apple is uh, uh, standing up for the U.S. government here and giving them uh, that public service announcement uh, ability because otherwise the government would have to hunt down every little individual company um and yeah uh so i don't think anyone enforces any of this so you did not hear it here but you can probably get away with saying no um to having encryption and no one would like think twice about it uh but if you want to do the right thing you have to and not be treasonous to the united states of america which is always a good thing um (laughs) you you should answer uh appropriately uh, and send an email saying, hey, nothing changed to the BIS.NIS or whatever they're called. Um, and yeah, that's that's how that whole system works. Cool. Um, Spencer, uh, from Mini Review Corner, I hear you bought a new fun little toy. Yes. So I bought this right before my trip to Seattle. Um, and it was like, it's like $20. It's this little buddy. Um, just kind of just thin little thing almost looks like a vape pen. Um, now that I look at it, but it has, it's kind of just this like travel kit, portable travel kit thing. So, um, it's got a couple things like one, it just opens up to be like a phone holder. So like I used it when I was eating lunch and I just propped my phone up and was watching YouTube, which is kind of cool. Then you can kind of pull out the whole thing. Um, and what it has, it, it's got a ton of micro SD card storage. It's got like six things. Uh, and it's also a, a reader. So you can just like put a micro SD card there and, and read off of it, which wasn't really the point of me buying it. But the biggest thing was it's got this tiny little USB-C to USB-C cable right here. And then... A bunch of adapters so you can go from USB A to C to micro USB to lightning um, and I think under it is also like a sim removal tool which goodbye sim card we don't need that anymore but um, yeah it's just a kind of cool tool to like you know I I always seem to overpack for um, trips and that's especially true for like cables and I'll just like throw a bunch of cables in my bag. I'm like, I, I'll make sure that I have everything. Uh, even if I don't bring any USB-C, well, I guess I have MacBooks now, but uh, even if I don't have USB-C devices, I'll throw in a USB-C, you know, uh, cable and whatever, just in case someone needs one. So uh, this has been nice. And I've mostly used the, um, just the cable adapters to, you know, 
plug something in when I don't know where a dedicated cable is. So, um, that's, it's been nice. I, I used it, you know, when I went on my trip to Seattle, but I've also used it a couple times around the house and I just throw it in my bag whenever I, uh, go up to the, the jobby job office and stuff. So yeah, kind of cool. It's, it's cheap. Uh, you know, the, the housing is made of metal, so that's kind of nice, but it's $23 on Amazon right now. Um, and you know, kind of just like a forget about it until you need a good in a pinch type of thing. And you're not spending a ton of money on it. So you can just kind of throw it somewhere and let it go. So, yeah. That, that sounds really useful. Um, my, my alternative to that, which is currently on the floor right here, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, uh, is an anchor like eight or 10 port. I don't remember which, mm. uh, USB a like power thing. Um, and that's what I usually bring with me well, pre pandemic before I stop traveling altogether. Uh, but that's what I usually brought with me to like hotels because yeah. hotels have like a, a lack of, uh, <laughs> power. Ports. Oh yeah. Um, so I would just like plug that thing in that has like a long cable, put that in like the middle of the bed. Uh, and then my wife and I would have, uh, three, at least three, uh, USB a kind of cables each, uh, for like phone, watch, iPad, computer. Um, and that, that has, has served me very, very well, but it is a giant mess of cable. Um, and it's like, <laughs> sure. I just kind of wrap it all up into like <laughs> yeah. one coil. Um, and it just has its own dedicated cables that are attached to it. So that's like one thing, but it's, it adds a lot of heft. So if you want to travel light, um, which like on my most recent, uh, trip, like I had everything in my computer bag and that was heavy. Uh, it was a lot, very heavy to walk around for 20 minutes with that. Um, yeah. so like having something lighter would definitely be something that I'm going to look into next time as I grow older and weaker. Um, so that's you frail, that's frail man. Oh yes. Uh, I'm 30. I break now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I'll always happy to hear like new travel tips. So if you have any more of these thumbs up. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes go live, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give a thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter. For joining me this week. My name once again is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Bunil. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye. You don't want to be treasonous. I think that wins as a title. Probably, huh? And this is like my tagline ever since I turned 30. I just say it all the <laughs> time because out. I think it's funny. <laughs> so, Chainsaw Man. That was pretty raw. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty raw. I've only, I don't know if there's already a second episode. I've only seen the first one, but yeah, I, I don't raw. think so yet. It's good. I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, there's a new anime out because it's new anime time, uh, and that anime is Chainsaw Man, and it has been wildly like discussed over the past few years in terms yeah. of like this is the new. This is the new raw thing. Like previously, it was Attack on Titan and stuff like that. Now it's a, now it's Chainsaw Man. 
Uh, and the beginning of the story is basically this kid who uh, has basically been adopted by the mafia uh, and forced to do their bidding because his father had a large debt. And that large debt has grown because the mafia is a bunch of... Uh, uh, what's that called? Debt sharks? No. Um, loan sharks. Loan sharks. There we go. Uh, they, yeah, they are those people who are bad. Uh, so, like, the, this guy, as he's grown up, he's sold his, like, kidney, various organs, eye. Yeah. Um, not not a great way to, to like, live your life. And ultimately, he gets thrown aside. Um, but this is a world with uh, demons. Uh, and uh, he has a fun little demon dog who is also a chainsaw. Um, and, uh, yeah, he ends up giving his life to the demon dog and he becomes Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the start of it is like real gut wrenching of like, oh yeah. gosh, like this poor guy. Um, he's, uh, his, uh, life goal is to have bread with jelly on it. Um, and at, at the very least, his life seems like it's going to take a, a turn for the better because he not only gets bread with jelly, but also butter and some juice and, uh, a, a whole a whole uh, meal uh, other than just a slice of bread for his entire meal for the day. Um, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. And it was, um, it's got like 3D animation, which is like always like a little cringy in anime, but it actually looked really good. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think they, they did it tastefully where you don't notice that it's 3D. Um, so it's like in fast moving things uh, mm-hmm. that... You're not gonna like pause and watch the the 3D model like be very different than the 2D drawing, uh, and then like be taken out of the immersion there. Um, and we're not asking for much. Like anime is not 4K. Anime is like yeah. 720 at best most of the time, and then upscaled. Uh, and yeah, just like don't don't make it super obvious and cringy, and then that's fine. I'd say. Yeah. Um, how was Bleach? I have not watched it yet. Yeah, Bleach is so good, dude. Holy crap. It was like nostalgia hit so hard. Like um, two minutes into it, I was like, like getting emotional about it, dude. (laughs) It was so, yeah, it's good. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was like the anime of like my, like my teens, right? So like I grew up with that in like high school and stuff. So having it come back was like, I mean, Dimitri and I have been talking about it for like months and months since it was announced and stuff so we're both i think super excited um really good looks really really good like i don't know how how else to i yeah i can't really explain like i don't know it's probably like a lot of emotions just like coming back and stuff and that's what made it super cool but it also just seems like really exciting like a good i i so i haven't read this whole arc of of what's going to happen and stuff. So I'm, I'm really new to it. I've seen a couple things coming in fresh, coming in super fresh, just good. I read a little bit of when the, like the, the original anime ended. Um, but only, I, I don't even think it got to like the point where it's starting at right now. So, um, I don't know how anything's going to go, which is exciting, uh, to like get a new, a whole new, you know, era of, of bleach and stuff. And it's like, they're a little bit, they look a little bit older and stuff. And, you know, it's in 1080p, which is cool. And it's some 16 by 9 aspect Not ratio. Not 4 by 3? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually in, like, the modern era. So that's that's cool. So, yeah, it's super exciting. Definitely awesome. give it a watch. 
Yeah, I'm super sad that this is like on Hulu, which is like the one streaming service I refuse to support because they are basically cable companies reinvented. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna wait so that way I can like binge it once it's done. Uh, but there's gonna be a lot to binge. I hear that it's gonna be 52 episodes split into four cores. Um, sweet. with like three months breaks in between so they're gonna take their time that's probably gonna be like a two-year two-year session of bleach um which is that's, fun that's good that's good try not to which like... means i probably won't watch any of it until like two years from now which is gonna be sad Dude, but maybe that's Crunchyroll gonna be have it so hard it's gonna be so hard for me to not talk to you about it though uh, but i know everything that happens so you're good uh that's true okay all right yeah uh, the sad the sadness of having been someone who like really like i i subscribed to uh shonen jump and everything to read bleach like that was the thing that i was like really into reading um and it was very sad when it ended so abruptly um for those who don't know it kind of like got pushed past the eisen arc uh against the author's wishes and then it kind of just got ignored once the anime ended um, and did not really have a the chance to properly finish. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how um, I'm seeing how the anime uh, redoes the ending because the ending in the manga form was kind of abrupt and quick mm. and didn't really give it a chance. Hopefully it gets retconned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, other other cool anime that have started this uh, this season. Uh, there's Bochi the Rock or Hitori Bochi, uh, which is very. Uh, it, it speaks to my heart. Yeah, <laughs> being like <laughs> that person who just like is socially inept in certain scenarios, uh, especially growing up. Um, as, and it talks about a girl who like wanted to be popular, so she learned how to play guitar, but then spent all that time playing guitar instead of learning to be popular. Uh, and therefore, like, missed out on, like, five years of yeah. chances to socialize with people and has not been, like, super great at socializing. Uh, in my in my teens, this was watching Bleach in a weekend after discovering it on Toonami. Um, <laughs> and therefore, like, spending all my time watching anime. Uh, and, yeah, instead of learning how to do something, unlike this person who learned how to actually play guitar, um, I learned how to watch anime. Um, so... <laughs> it speaks to me at that level at the very least yeah yeah i was like i i it wasn't on my radar at all and then dimitri told me to watch it and like i was getting like secondhand embarrassment from like the things that she'd do and i'm like oh crap and it brought up freaking memories of me doing stuff in like junior high school too and i'm like oh man uh (laughs) but yeah it definitely it spoke to me too i was like oh shoot man this is yeah that's how it was yep um have you watched beast tamer no i don't know anything about it okay so beast tamer is the anime you want to watch if you just want to die of like cuteness overload um the the characters are cute uh and if you like cats then and you like cat girls then you're gonna be like this is so adorable (laughs) and there's like nothing that can that can change this uh being so adorable because it has reached maximal adorable cuteness Wow, um, and that is that is something that Japan has perfected. Uh, yeah, that's in terms that's of in terms of anime. So uh, that's all I have to say about it. It's just cute. Cool. Uh, so we look forward to watching it every week because it's it's the cuteness that 
we don't have in regular life because it is impossible to achieve. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's Beast Hammer. Um, I heard you were watching My Hero Academia, right? Yeah, yeah. The new season started and it started off just like freaking going hard, uh, which was cool. There, I mean, this is like their sixth season. I they have something like a hundred and forty episodes or something. So it's like it's a nice one where you know it's not twelve or twenty four episodes, but it's like pretty deep and you get attached to people and stuff. So. It's good. Uh, I honestly had kind of forgotten about it, and it, I didn't realize it was coming up this season. So that was kind of a fun surprise to jump back into it. So I think you're maybe a little behind, right? Like a few mm-hmm. seasons behind, but yeah, I stopped mid season four, according to Crunchyroll, um, mm-hmm. and I like remembered none of that. So the past like week ish, we've been just binging my oh, hero. Cool. Um, good. And, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> Lynn has been more into it than I have, so I'm, like, still working, and she's like, I'm gonna start playing this. Do you have any meetings? I'm like, no, not at the moment. So, that's just <laughs> been on, like, almost 24-7. So, we're currently nice. at, like, episode 60-something. Um, cool. So, we're getting there, but we have another, like, 50 episodes to, like, catch up to. Um, so, yeah. like, in a week cool. or two, we can talk about this. Once yes. Let's do it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh... And then, have you been watching any others? No. No? Okay, so I have two to, I don't know, recommend. Uh, the Shinobi no Itoki. Um, I don't know what the English title for that one is. Uh, but it's basically what happens if ninjas kind of survived until modern-day Japan. Um, oh, okay. And uh, they got, like, all... Uh, there, there was one scene where the, the kid... Okay, so the the premise is the kid is part of, like, a ninja clan, but he didn't know it um, until he started getting, like, uh, murder attempts sent his way. Um, and oh. then he was like, oh, you're the next head of the Yiga clan. Oh, um, the Yiga? And then that, that's his... <laughs> the Yiga clan. That's his... Uh, well, the, the, do you know why it's called the Yiga clan? Because, like, that is the OG ninjas from, like, long time Japan ago. Um, from like, Zelda? That was Like, that, that's what they pulled? No, Yiga. I G A. Oh, I thought you said Yiga, like in basically the in same Breath thing, the isn't Wild. it? All right, all right, fair. Yeah, so that all comes from like real history, um, and those were real life ninjas. And by real life ninjas, they basically hid in the woods and murdered people as they try to sneak by in warring warring era Japan. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this kid is like the supposed successor to them, uh, and they're getting murdered, uh, murderous attempts sent their way, and assassination attempts. Uh, and he's just like the useless Shinji character who's like, I don't want to do this. Um, I don't want to get in the robot. I don't want to be a ninja. Um, (laughs) but like one funny thing was, uh, he gets to the point where he's like, don't you have like water no jutsu and fire no jutsu? And the guy pulls out a cigarette. He's like fire no jutsu. And then the girl takes out a cup and says water no jutsu to turn out the the cigarette. So, uh, it, it takes a more, uh, less uh mythical and more uh, practical approach to ninja mm. although it does go into the sci-fi territory of like camouflage and all that uh so yeah i thought that was a, a fun thing that started though it's kind of getting tired with the i don't like it in a robot um yeah. so we'll we'll see how how much more i watch it um and then the only other one that we're watching is uh yet another uh one of these isekai into uh like dating sim games i'm the villainous so oh. i'm taming the final boss uh which uh is like a new genre that i've seen pop up 
quite recently uh, where uh, someone ends up being reincarnated as the villainous in a game uh, where you are trying to like uh, win the hearts of all these uh, beautiful uh, male characters um, and the villainous is there to like steal it. Uh, but then the villainous ends up getting taken over by a normal person from Japan, and they're like, I don't want to be an asshole. I'm going to be a good person. Um, so, And like one other anime, they become a farmer uh, to kind of change their course and not die and get like exiled somewhere. Um, so in this case, the, the one is going to like go and uh, win over the heart of the demon uh, king. Uh, and it seems, seems cute. Uh, so we've been watching that one. Cool. So yeah. Lots of new anime. Nice. So, yeah. It's like it's good been good because the past season, like the one right before it was kind of like, there is nothing. Um, yeah. And it's good to finally have something. I think there are a lot more being added too in the coming weeks. Nice. Anyways, bye everyone. Bye.